Hello and welcome to another episode of the Compile Swift podcast. I'm your host, Peter Whittem. In this podcast, we talk about everything related to Apple platforms and Apple development, including macOS, iOS, iPadOS, watchOS, tvOS, and any other OS they've invented this week. So with that, let's get on with the show. In this episode, and it's been a crazy time, uh, WWDC has just wrapped up, WWDC 20's just wrapped up. So we're going to talk about that, and I'm going to do a bit of a developer journal this week as well. So let's go ahead and get into it. So if you even have the remotest of interest in Apple's platforms, you will have not have failed to have heard all the news by now, I'm sure, from WWDC. But I'm going to talk about a couple of things that I think just really important for us to Swift developers. Firstly, there's the new, you know, hardware. There's, uh, you know, Apple's new silicon. Um, they're not calling it ARM hardware. But it's, uh, you know, Apple SOC, as they're calling it. And it's basically ARM hardware, right? It's their own chips. But it's very interesting. And I think we all sort of knew this was coming at some point. And now that it's finally here, it's actually going to be an interesting time. We're going to go through this transition like we did before. But it's not going to be as rough, right? You know, when we went from the power PC chips to Intel, that was kind of rough. But I think that this one's going to be a lot smoother and a lot easier. Certainly, if you paid attention to a lot of the sessions from WWDC talking about the new silicon, it's going to be a lot easier to port your software across, and Apple is going to be helping you there, of course. So that's that's interesting news. But what a massive year I think it is for Swift UI, right? We've got these new widgets that we can build, and uh, you know, for home screens on iOS and on iPad OS. And on Mac OS as well, for that matter. And they're all Swift UI based. Uh, we've also got, you know, complications, custom complications on the Apple Watch building Swift UI. So, you know, it's, it's a massive year for Swift UI. It really is. On top of that, we've got a collection views and kind of this grid layout that I think we've all been wanting and just so many things. You know, so there's that. Xcode 12 has a massive amount of new features as well. Um, you know, there's, I've played around with it briefly and I'll probably do some videos at some point, but I'm really liking Xcode 12. A lot of the features, especially a lot of the sort of the tools that they've put in place and the changes that they've made to make it a lot easier to work with Swift UI views. So there's that. You know, Swift, of course, is a little different. It's kind of interesting, right? Because you know, this mostly open source platform that Swift has, you tend to know what's coming and, you know, it's not so massive a news a dub dub like it has been in the past. But, you know, there's a lot of interesting things going on with Swift as well. So for that, I would say definitely look at the sessions from the Apple videos. I know I have an extensive list that I've picked from. And in fact, you know, if you subscribe to the Compile Swift newsletter, and you should go to compileswift.com, and look for the link there to support for the newsletter. But um, I actually listed all the videos that I think are going to be important for us as Swift developers. So I'll put a link to the to that in the show notes. Um, like I say, you should definitely sign up for the newsletter. I don't spam you to death with it, but when there's important things, I do send one out. So there's that. And it just was a really good format, I thought, this year. We really didn't know how WWDC was going to go, but... I really liked it. And actually, I feel like I want it to be this way in the future from Apple. And that's not to criticize the old system, but 
one of the nice thing about all these pre-recorded videos was firstly, you know, the presentation was flawless, of course, but secondly, it was so slick and so smooth and you didn't have a lot of the sort of the filler fluff that you have to, you know, kind of sit through a lot of the time with these things. And there was no silly demos from companies. And that's not to knock any of the companies that done them before, but they're always kind of, you know, you get these companies come along, do a demo of something, and then you never hear from it again. And it's just a, a waste of time, to be honest. So I really liked the new format. The one thing, of course, we didn't have was the person-to-person -person interaction. And, you know, I think what would be great next year if Apple took a same format as this year, but maybe tacked on like another week afterwards or something like that for a person-in-person -person conference where you just get together. Maybe you know, do the labs in person or something like that so we can all get together. But I really enjoyed this new format. You know, um, the Apple developer tool that or software that they have on their platforms for, you know, for the conference, for the videos and that, that's a little frustrating to work with. But, you know, I'm kind of looking at that as a work in progress all the time and hopefully it'll get better. So that's a dub dub DC this year. I'm not going to go into any further details than that, really. Like I say, if you're, you know, working on any other platforms, you've gone to the developer portal by now and paid attention to what's going on there. So when I come up back after the break, I want to do kind of a developer journal of what I've been working on um, over the past couple of weeks and kind of where I'm at and, and where I see my time going forward on some of my projects. Time for a break. Break time over. So one of the things that I like to do this time of year is you know, take the advantage of the kind of the reset that we have from the Apple Developer Conference and, you know, reflect upon what I think I want to learn going forward and what I'm working on and how these new technologies may come into play with that. So one of the things I did, of course, I downloaded the Xcode 12 beta and I really like it. I, there's a lot of things in there I like. I'm not going to go into detail in that. That's a future episode, probably some videos and uh, and. Uh, you know, blog posts on that as well, but I really like it. Now, to really take advantage of some of those new features, though, you really have to be running the beta of Big Sur, the next macOS version as well. Um, debatable at this point, but it seems to be it's going to be macOS 11, by the way, so that's interesting. So the first thing I did was I installed it on an external drive because I wanted to not have any, you know, link between my production machine, right? kind of my personal production machine and my, you know, and, and any betas. And because that's just never a good plan, especially in these early releases. So what I did was I cloned my machine 10.15.5 onto an external drive and then did the upgrade that way. And it took a, it took a long time, of course, being an external drive, but I did get it working. But the other one that I wanted to do was I finally upgraded to Parallels for Mac 15. And I, I haven't used that software for a few versions. Not because I think there's anything wrong with it. I'm a huge Parallels fan, always have been. But, you know, I saw it as an opportunity to do a few other things I wanted to do, and Parallels was the way to go with that. So, interestingly, I managed to finally get Big Sur running in a Parallels VM, and I'll probably do a video on that at some point. So if you're interested in that, reach out to me on Twitter, at CompileSwift, and let me know that that's something that you, you think it would be a good idea because it's not straightforward to do it. 
And there are some complications, but it took me a few days of trying different methods to get it to work. But I do now have a working virtual machine, so I don't even have to boot from my external hard drive with the install if I don't want to and running in a Parallels VM. You know, it's not as fast, obviously, because right now it's not like Parallels really supports, you know, Big Sur, but I did get it working. So once I'd got all that done, that gave me an opportunity to play around with some of the new technologies and, you know, bring in some of my personal apps and look and see what kind of work I may have to do and things that I can take advantage of there and identify those. So I kind of have a a to-do list of bug fixtures and improvements that I can make with the new releases. Uh, Obviously, I've got a lot of time on that because they're just personal projects. Now, one thing that I did spend a lot of time with this week, though, is in my sort of after I'd finished the day job, in my evening hours, I have been reading a lot about Combine because I have, you know, I've been paying attention to it, but I hadn't really used it. And I found that with one of my personal apps, I was having a bit of a frustration with some code that I'd written and I just felt there was a better way. And I thought, you know, maybe Combine is the way to go. And it is looking that way. So this week I did, I've been reading a couple of books. Um, you know, I have Donnie Wall's book, which is just fantastic, Practical Combine. And then I have um, a Ray Wendelick one as well. So I've been reading through both of those books and, uh, you know, kind of understanding how it works. I am to, I've been using reactive programming before in other languages. So it's not like it was completely new to me, but combine over, you know, say like RX Swift, for example, is very interesting. And I've got nothing against RX Swift. I intend to continue using that as well. But combine being built by Apple, of course, means it's a first class citizen in everything that, you know, you do. And it's it's so built into, you know, the, the frameworks at this point that you almost cannot ignore it. It's certainly if you do Swift UI, I mean, you you may not realize it, but you're using Combine It's it's with Swift UI. So I spent a lot of time with Combine this week, and I think that's a very interesting way to solve a lot of problems, not only with asynchronous programming, but just, you know, the approach to how you think about the logic of your applications and a way that that works with the data and your UI. And with that, something else this week that I've been working with a lot is refactoring one of my personal applications into more of an MVVM, you know, a model view, view model um, approach rather than MVC. And it's not something I particularly had paid attention to before, but once I had started using it and adapting my code, it makes a lot of sense. And I really do get what people are talking about. So if you've not looked at MVVM, it actually is a really smart way of solving some of the problems, you know, having this extra view model sitting there, um, translating the, the model data for you for the view, instead of having these, you know, heavy controllers doing it for you. So uh, that's something that you may want to look at. So that's been, you know, what I've been working on the past couple of weeks. And I think I'm probably going to do some more of these developer journal type um, reports for you all because it's really interesting and it's a good way to not only keep me honest and, you know, tell you what I'm working on, but also it's a good way to keep me working on things. You know, it's all too easy sometimes when you have busy periods to let your 
your personal skills and development and projects kind of slip into the background, you know, especially in times like now with all these other areas needing our focus. Um, so it's it's good to have some kind of regular pattern where I say, okay, you know what, this week I'm going to spend X amount of hours looking at this thing or solving this problem. So, you know, let me know what you think. You know, go to compileswift.com forward slash contact or reach out to me on Twitter and uh, at compileswift and let me know. I, I really like this idea of developer journals in podcasts. I've seen a few other people doing it and it's really nice to sort of sit here and talk through some of these things that I work on and some problems that I'm having and, and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And to feel like I'm sitting here, here having the conversation with someone about it, it, it helps me think through the process. So, you know, that's it for now. Uh, usual thing, of course, you know, like, subscribe, tell, tell someone about this. Um, if you think it's going to be helpful, please reach out to me. I, I love talking with the community. Um, it's just fantastic to talk with you all out there. And I appreciate all the feedback and conversations that I've had with everybody. Um, it just really makes my day to, even when someone just says, thank you for doing what you do, it, it really makes a huge difference. And if you could leave a review, I mean, fantastic, even better. It just serves to help through those times when it's difficult to get episodes out because of workload. So take care of yourselves, um, stay safe out there, and I will speak to you again soon. Bye.